is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots going on today. March Madness underway, but the madness around the National Hockey League has already started with a couple of significant deals last night and quite a bit of intrigue as we get closer to Monday's NHL trade deadline. Of course, the Jets were back on the ice today. And Andrew Kopp and Paul Stastny both spoke after practice, of course, the most likely individuals that could potentially be on the trade block because of their contract status. Maybe we'll try and squeeze in some Andrew Kopp a little bit later on. I can tell you that we'll discuss the latest on uh, the entire National Hockey League trade market, what's happened so far, what we expect to happen with our pal Dave McCarthy of NHL.com and Sirius XM's Sunday Brunch. Dave will join us in about 20 minutes. And then... Closer to 2 p.m., our guy Brandon Rewicki is going to jump on, the host of Skates and Plates podcast. We'll uh, discuss the win over the Vegas Golden Knights, tomorrow's game against the Boston Bruins, and of course the Winnipeg Jets situation as it pertains to the deadline as well, in particular the Cop and Stastny situations. We will also be paying very close attention to the waiver wire. Been a little while since we've had waiver wire excitement around here. Um, we just saw Matthew Perot hit the wire yesterday. We did a poll on the show, and 85% of you, ironically, said bring Matthew Perot back. Of course, Matthew Perot wore number 85. So we'll see whether it all comes together and we get a return visit to the peg for a very popular longtime jet in Matthew Perot. And that, I imagine, we'll probably find out over the course of the next half hour or so. Uh, listen, a big shout out to uh, the people that make this show happen each and every day. Our wonderful partners at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, Canadian Club. So lots of hockey to get to. Uh, some big news in the National Football League and Major League Baseball as well, which we'll kick around, but we will focus in on the Winnipeg Jets to start things off, and we'll do it with Michael Remus. Remo! Happy St. Patty's Day. Did you uh, Are you wearing a green top hat or anything like that for today's show? I guess I just realized I don't have any green on either. Um, I would thought about wearing green, but it actually would show up see-through if either of us wore green. So Good we point. We that actually would have been hilarious. <laughs> we, I, I have a green, like teal green Mariners jersey, but again, like I'll be see-through. So uh, I don't think it'll work uh, at this time. So no, we're, we're not wearing green. I could have done like a green background or something but the, i don't know if you remember from the old days on pembina yeah uh, the, but you know i'm a jet supporter i have not bought any merch of any other nhl team since the jets returned to the nhl with the exception of one item and uh frankly considering what's going on right now i probably wouldn't wear it anyways but it is a green washington capitals shirt with uh, it's a jersey, if you will, an OV jersey with the O apostrophe Vetchkin that I think I picked that up down on the uh, on the shopping spree with NHL Vice Commissioner Bill Daly down in New York on one of those road trips a while ago. But uh, yeah, the green OV shirt's not coming out today. It's a WST shirt, and um, I am interested to uh, see how uh, how St. Patty's Day goes. All I can think about right now, I was driving around this morning. And there's still, I mean, it's great to see the water on the streets right now, which means that the snow is melting. 
Um, but you know, what was it like last year? People were on patios. The 2012 St. Patrick's Day, that was the magical first year of the Jets returning. Uh, it was like 17, 18 degrees. Actually, I think it might have hit 20 degrees on St. Patrick's Day. I remember there was a bunch of us out in the patio all night at the uh, ENC back then. So um, I don't know. We'll see how long it's going to take for all this to melt. The streets are a disaster right now. I mean, I hope the guys that fix potholes are ready to work a lot over the course of the next little bit. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we'll take the the nicer weather right now, the start on the melt, hopefully a fun St. Paddy's Day now that things are actually open and a little more uh, a little more on the road to being closer to normal. Um, but the bottom line is for uh, us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we are getting ready for this Boston Bruins game tomorrow, which should be a heck of a lot of fun. And the first news that we have to talk about, Remus, is um, Andrew Kopp back at practice today in the regular con- uh, contact jersey. And I know we'll talk about what this means for the trade deadline. And yes, of course, that is a story. But first and foremost, just great to see that uh, people's worst fears were not confirmed. It was a precautionary date against Vegas Golden Knights where he sat out the game. But he'll be back. He'll be good to go for a big game tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets. And we'll see whether this is one of his last couple games as a Winnipeg Jet on Monday. But first and foremost, just great to see Andrew Kopp back healthy and in the lineup today, skating alongside his longtime tag team partner, Adam Lowry. Yeah, before we get into that, um, we do have the waiver wire update. Um, Matthew Pro cleared waiver. So that's uh, Chris Johnson on Twitter. So the Jets. No! <laughs> no! We wanted him back. What? We need that gif of what? that lady freaking out on uh, in the middle of um, uh, New York City. It was one of my favorites yeah. uh, after I Trump won. You I think you sent me uh, that. Um, <laughs> I think it sounds like they have something else up their sleeve. I mean, I, I don't know how much um, you can c- continue running Christian Veselainen out there. Um, so there was a report. We'll get to the other reports, but. Uh, back to Andrew Cobb. I was fired up when I saw that he was um, in the lineup, you know, back at practice, skating on the third line with Lowry and Svechnikov. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, too. Ken Weeb posted on Twitter when he did his line rundown, he had the first line as Connor Dubois Ehlers. Now, is he just, I don't know if people are making an editorial comment there or if that's the order of the rushes, but... Um, are we seeing a changing of the guard here in the second line? Stasi, Shafley, Wheeler, Harkins, Tony Nato, Veselainen, the fourth line, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Stanley Schmidt. We did have Vili Hainala. He's going up and down, called up again today on an emergency basis, but he was not at the skate. He played last night with the Moose, scored a goal. So that's what we have for the Jets. But yeah, I'm pumped to hear about Cop. You know, great that he is back on the ice, healthy. You know, great that you know, you don't have any long-term, but also, I mean, the trade deadline, you're seeing what some of these guys were going for yesterday. Cal Yarncroke traded to Calgary from Seattle, Ben Sherratt to Florida from Montreal. And didn't Gary say like two days ago, that he's like, yeah, Ben Sherratt, he's not going for first round pick. Well, he went for, <laughs> did, did, he not, did he not say that? Uh, I, you know what? I think he said it might be a stretch. Hey, listen, they'd been looking for a first round pick for a while and they hadn't got it. Um, but you know, credit to Jeff Gorton and, um, the guys there in Montreal for being patient, waiting it out mm-hmm. and finding the right time to get the deal. Yeah. Well, let's just get into these deals from last night uh, quickly. Um, so Ben Sherratt moves from the Florida Panthers or sorry, from the Habs to the Panthers in return, a first round pick this year, which will obviously be a late first rounder, but still first round picks, a first round pick. 
a four. Oh, excuse me, a 2023 first round pick. Yeah. So that could actually be better, but again, it's still you know a, a year away. Bottom line is they get a first rounder for it. Who knows where that one will end up, depending on the Panthers' season next year. A fourth round pick in this year's draft and a prospect in Tyler Smolanic. The one rumor that you seem to be a little bit surprised about on the return was the uh, Cal- Cali Yarncroc acquisition for the Calgary Flames. The Kraken send the longtime former Nashville Predator up to Southern Alberta, and they get back a second rounder this year, a third rounder next year, and a seventh rounder in 2024. I mean, I guess the seventh rounder is a pick. It is an asset, not a lot of value in the seventh round. Uh, but a second and third rounder for a team that definitely will be building from within for a long time. Not a bad return for a player like yeah, Kelly Yarncroc. And I'll say it with this, I think Yarncroc and the way that he plays fits in very well with a Calgary team that, you know, certainly could use some bolstering, but has been one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, uh, certainly as of late. I really like Kelly Yarncroke on Nashville, but he's kind of been up and down the lineup in Seattle. I don't know if he's really fit in there, but it seems like a lot. I mean, a second and a third, so I think, I mean, and the seventh too. A seventh is kind of throw-in pick, but I was very surprised that Ben Sherrod got what he got um, and Kelly Yarncroke as well. So I think if you're a GM and you're looking to trade, it seems like there's teams willing to throw down and go all in. So I think, you, you know, I would say, you know, keep, keep Brendan Dillon, but I mean, if there's first round picks being, you know, available for Ben Sherratt, I think you got to listen on everything and, you know, we'll be counting down until Monday at uh, two o'clock central, the deadline. So it uh, seems seemingly things are heating up and I'm sure we'll see more deals this weekend, but I'm, I'm, you know, considering, you know, we hadn't heard anything. I'm surprised at the prices being paid here. It seems high to me. You know, uh, just to put into perspective, I think the Yarncroc trade is actually a pretty interesting comparison to Andrew Kopp. Yes. And I'm just pulling his numbers up right now. And Yarncroc this season playing on Seattle has 12 goals, 14 assists, and 20, 26 points in 49 games. Uh, last year was 13 goals, 28 points. The previous year, 15 goals, 34 points. Basically, has scored in the teens for the last seven years in the National Hockey League, and usually in and around 30-odd points. Andrew Kopp, this year, 13 goals, 19 assists for 32 points. So his production this year in five more games, a little higher than Yarncroc. Um, last year, 15 and 39, and before that, 10, 11, 9, 9 in goals, and just a little bit south of Yarncroc's production over the last of the four years. I guess you'd say that Cop right now over the last two seasons maybe has slightly surpassed Yarncroc. Uh, but certainly, I think, Remus, when we're looking about, you know, middle six forwards like Cop and Yarncroc, there would be a pretty good comparison to what Calgary had to give up to Seattle for what Kevin Chevalier might be able to expect right now for Andrew Kopp. What happens to the market over the next few days, the longer he waits, uh, we'll see. Uh, but I think it's a pretty fair comparison that that is in the neighborhood of what the Jets might be able to expect if they do end up trading number nine. Yeah, I think that's fair. That sounded about right. You know, maybe you could, you know, hope for a first, but I think second and a third. And I think for the Jets, you know, if this year not a success that you thought it was going to be in terms of, you know, being in a playoff spot at the trade deadline, uh, you'd probably want to try to get some of those picks that you gave up to get Brandon Dillon and Nate Schmidt. I think that would make sense. So 
we are, although we are hearing there's Ben Pope from Chicago, Huss, is reporting that the Jets are having, or with, among with other teams, Edmonton and Anaheim, having conversations about forward Dominic Kubalik. So I'm not sure what to make of that. Maybe that would be the cop replacement for next year. I know he was pretty solid a couple years ago, having a down year, 26-year-old winger. But we know the Jets need depth, uh, you know, depth forwards. And I think this would be, I guess, would be one step in replacing. So I'm, I'm not really sure what, you know, the Jets are an interesting spot here. I mean, they're kind of on the cusp of a playoff spot. They're not there. They had high expectations. I mean, Vegas seems to be free falling. Um, Dallas does have games in hand. And you have these expiring, you know, free agents and Cop and Stasny, which I think are attractive, you know, based on their spot on the uh, PSN trade bait list, which, you know, a lot of the players at the top have already have already been moved. I mean, I don't know what you do if you're the Jets. I would not want to be in that spot, but um, I think looking towards next year and getting depth forward would be would be a move too. And, and the one thing about Chevaldeov, I mean, we thought in the offseason, okay, they need defense. We went and got, got defense. Now they need depth forward. It seems like he's always been okay plugging Playing the holes it just didn't seem to work for whatever reason this year. Yeah, there's a lot that's gone into this year. I mean, uh, Maurice leaving, you know, up and down performances by a number of players so far. I mean, there's been some real good things that have happened this season. There's been some others that are somewhat concerning. And I mean, there's major questions, I think, about this team and the core going forward as to what you do if this team does miss the playoffs. But I guess a big question, I heard JT talking about this earlier today, the concept of, you know, how can you go into the dressing room um, you know, to the players, if you trade Andrew Kopp and what's the message that that sends to the team? Um, and I guess I've heard this before, but I mean, to be honest with you, if you're the general manager um, of the team, I mean, you can't concern yourself with that. I mean, your job is to, you know, give your team the best opportunity to win. And if you have determined that, you know, this season is what it is and you're thinking big picture and long term and looking to, you know, maximize your assets. I mean, you have to do that. And listen, if the players, I mean, I, I can't think, I mean, I don't think Nikolai Ehlers or Pierre-Luc Dubois or Kyle Connor are going to stop playing because Andrew Kopp gets traded. Um, they certainly shouldn't. I mean, any the, the, the player's job is to play. The general manager's job is to go and do the do his moves in the best interest of the hockey club. And the coach, the interim coach in this situation, his job is to be in the middle of it and manage it as best as he can. Try and win the hockey games that you go out there. Uh, but again, people have different jobs. And listen, Blake Wheeler's told us over and over again that they haven't even thought about the trade deadline. He doesn't even know when it is. So if that's the case, then they're just <laughs> focused on winning. You know what? Go out and win some games. Win on Friday. Take care of your own business. And um, you're able to win a game without Andrew Kopp on Tuesday. If that's the case, they have to do it. But um, like if you're worried about players, you know, not showing up or, you know, you know, not giving it their all because of a guy got getting traded, you probably have bigger problems about your team to begin with. And if the players want to know why this is happening, look no further than the previous 60 games of the season and the situation that they're in. Um, the reason why this general manager even has to make these tough decisions right now. The idea at the start of the season was maybe being aggressive at this point, adding to the roster and giving him a better chance to win the Stanley Cup. Things have changed so far, but I don't think Kevin Chevalier can possibly con be concerned about hurt feelings in his dressing room when it comes to doing what is best for the Winnipeg Jets at the trade deadline and going into next season.
Yeah, I mean, as much as I just said, they're in a tough situation. I do agree that if if you're not in a playoff spot and you have expiring contracts coming up, you need to get something for them. Uh, I know you probably had high expectations. Maybe you think that you can get back in, but um, I think to lose Cop and Stasny for nothing while you're trying to like get into that eighth eighth spot, I think that would be that would be a fail. Well, here's eyes, the thing, though. Yeah. I, I do think, though, um, and, and I sort of brought this up yesterday with Murat, and I don't know what your thought is on this, Remus, but at what point does it make sense to trade Andrew Kopp, especially if, you know, you're thinking about the next two seasons, like really the window for the Winnipeg Jets with the majority of this group. Now, again, part of that group could change. We've talked about that plenty this year, but in particular, Connor Hellebuck, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor. And the Wheeler and Shifley contracts as well, assuming that they're in and around here. I mean, you know, a second round and a third round pick. I mean, I don't know if that does anything for you over the course of the next couple seasons. That being said, and I think Marat did a good way of pointing this out yesterday on the program, that those are assets, though. And, um, you know, we saw what the Jets did with second round picks and third round picks last year in the offseason in the acquisitions of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. So there certainly is something to be said for that. Um, but, you know, with where the Jets are right now, and I mean, I would not for a second endorse any sort of aggressive ad to try to sneak into the playoffs. But there is a point where, you know, the return for an Andrew Kopp might not make sense for him to leave, considering that the Jets still are in the mix and, you know, have an outside chance of continuing a big run and, and, and making it in. Uh, but I do think the smart play right now, looking at the playoff odds, where the Winnipeg Jets are, what else is happening around them, is to try to, you know, get something back for Andrew Kopp. But, you know, and Ken's made this point a few times. I'm not sure that the thought for the Winnipeg Jets is necessarily to go in and try and make moves to, you know, get draft picks. I think it is more about trying to rejig the roster. And if you are trading a player like Kopp, maybe trying to get a younger player that's potentially under team control that might not be at where Kopp is right now, but that could play a role for this team in the next couple seasons, as opposed to a pick that happens next year or the year after that, you know, might not even play in the National Hockey League if you're lucky until three or four seasons down the road. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. So I'm, I am reminded when you talk about, you know, teams on the bubble selling when St. Louis, you know, traded what Stasny, Shattenkirk a couple of years ago. I mean, they were, they, I think they had high expectations that year. They were kind of falling short. and. You know, they have, I forget if they were in or just on the cusp of a playoff spot, and we were shocked that they traded Stasny. I mean, they still battled. They, I don't think they made the playoffs that year, but they made a bit of a run, and I still think, I yeah. Think I, they were in the, I think they were in a playoff mm -hmm. spot, though, when that deal yeah. was made. I mean, I, I, that, that deal for Stasny, I remember being at the station. We were all hanging around. It was a couple hours before my show, and we're watching, you know, what's happening in and around the deadline, and that news came out. We were like, Paul Stasny? And it's always funny because, you know, the uh, insiders are hammering on all these names that they know that are in the mix. And then, you know, Chevy with a completely clandestine operation going into mm. St. Louis and getting Paul Stasny out, I think caught everybody off guard. Um, but it was also catching people off guard because I don't think people believe that the St. Louis Blues would have traded a player like Stasny in the situation that they were in, but they did. And, uh, you know, I guess we could talk to someone in St. Louis about what happened there with that season. Bottom line is they won the cup the next year. So it certainly didn't put the franchise back a long ways. And it certainly wasn't something that the, uh, the their, their group 
wasn't able to um, wasn't able to overcome in the long run. So it'd be very interesting to see how this plays out going forward. Um, as I said, uh, Remo, if you want, maybe while we're talking to Brandon, see if you can get some of the Andrew Kopp stuff. It sounds like it was pretty good today. We can have that for our listeners a little bit later on on the program. Um, Dave McCarthy is going to join us from NHL.com, and I'm looking forward to having Dave on to get his perspective on what is happening in and around the league. Um, interesting times for the Leafs and Oilers when it comes to the goaltending market right now, um, as well as talking about you know his thoughts on what we've got coming out of yesterday's evening moves in the National Hockey League, a little bit of a preemptive action by a couple of National Hockey League GMs. Before we do that, uh, a big thank you to uh, the people that put this show on and make it happen every day, including F Apparel, the uh, great locally owned company that is the leader in custom suits for men and really a full line of custom clothing, including dress shirts, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. We've got weddings coming up, grads coming up, and uh, just more of what you might remember pre-pandemic. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. They're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. Great deals for your wedding party or for your high school graduate. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street, or get Adam online and make an appointment at F Apparel. That's EPHapparel.com. Of course, Vita Health. Our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market uh, continue to provide the greatest prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Many unique groceries that you'll only find at Vita Health Fresh Market. They've also got amazing, delicious lunch options at the Grab and Go Deli featuring Vita Health Fresh Market, salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online and schedule a delivery with Instacart. You can also join the exclusive Vita VIP list by texting Vita VIP to 1-877-630-1970 to receive special offers all year long and be entered to win a $100 Vita Health gift card. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, online at myvita.ca. And of course, the folks over at Culligan Water, another great family-owned Winnipeg business, have been the go-to people for water services for 65 years and accounting. If you need water, get it from the best, the folks at Culligan. They've got it all, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 204-694-5180 is the number, and you can get at them online at drinkculligan.com. All right, let's get to it. Some hockey talk. We'll focus in on the Jets a little bit later on with Brandon Rewicki when B joins us. But right now, it is the return of our great friend, Dave McCarthy of NHL.com and Sirius XM NHL Radio. And uh, Dave joining us outdoors today. Looks beautiful there in Southern Ontario. Snow's melting. How are you, my friend? Hey, Dave, you know what? We're having a real lag and a real delay on this. As much as we love looking at you and your beautiful, humble abode in the backyard, hang up. Remus is going to call you. We'll get you on on the phone, and uh, this will be a little bit more like when I join you on the Sunday brunch talking to Jets and NHL. So we'll do it by the phone. All right, I think Dave's back, and uh, oh, we're back inside right now 
with a live cook. You're sounding good, looking good. Thanks for doing this. No worries. Sorry, sorry about that. I don't know why that uh, always seems to cause me problems. No worries, but listen. Probably because my phone's a potato. So. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that could be. That could be. All right, Dave. So you know, we talked a little bit about the uh, the, the Chirac deal was interesting. I mean, getting a first rounder and a fourth rounder in a prospect. I thought they might be, you know, kind of you know wishful thinking that they were going to get a first round pick for Ben Sherrod. I'll tell you what, for guys like you know uh, Iran Francis in Seattle with uh, Mark Giordano, um, certainly Pat Verbeek and Hampus Lindholm. That is, I, I would say, good news if you've got a defenseman on the market, considering the price that was paid for the Panthers to get Sherrod down to uh, South FLA. Yeah, I think if you've got a, a pending unrestricted free agent defenseman now and you see the price that Ben Sherrod was able to garner for the Montreal Canadiens, I think that's I think that's really good news because it's going to drive your price up. That's where I set my price um, if I had an asset similar to Ben Sherrod right now. Like, I don't know if Mark Giordano will get quite that much, uh, but I would certainly start at, at least a, a first-round pick. Um, if you can't get that, then can I get a – you know, a prospect of some significance because I honestly didn't think Ben Chirot would get both. I thought he'd get either a first round pick um, and maybe a later round pick or a, a reasonable prospect, but to get both a first and a prospect for a guy that could well walk out the door, um, you know, in uh, 20 games plus, uh, plus a round, if they end up losing in the first round, it's a pretty good return for uh, Montreal. So I give, uh, I give Kent Hughes, uh, a lot of credit for getting that done because it puts uh, Montreal in that much better position to improve their team quicker. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what that means for you know the rest of the uh, of the defense market. I mean, the undepending UFA defenseman, you know, like a Mark Giordano who's got you know a ton of experience. I mean, it can still play at a very high level. What that means, and it's one thing that I think we can definitely take from the Yarncroc deal is that Seattle is very much open for business. I mean, it has been, I mean, I realize they're an expansion team, but I think with that bar that was set by the Vegas Golden Knights, the performance by them, both in the expansion draft and on the ice this year, has been uh, you know less than a lot of people expected and thought was possible, fairly yeah. or unfairly. But when you're building an organization for the long term, this is the time as a GM of an expansion team, you can make some significant moves and give yourself a better chance to really start the building of a franchise that, you know, you only have so many picks in your first year to make happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they, they absolutely should be open for business right now. I'm it's a little confused what Seattle's doing. Um, to be honest with you, like the signing of Jared McCann uh, last week, I'll be, I'll be honest, took me off guard a little bit. Uh, five times five for Jared McCann. That's, it's a lot of money and a lot of term for a guy that has had a good year this year, but really this has been his first year where um, yeah, I've really noticed what he's doing. Um, but but then I asked myself how much of, of that is because he's playing on a team right now where he's probably elevated in the lineup from, from where he has been in the past simply because they're not that good a team. So to commit that kind of term, like I don't mind so much the five uh, million, but but five years, I was like, geez, you lock yourself into all kinds of term now. Um, I, I I was a little surprised to see that deal. So, you know, you, you wonder where Seattle is going right now. Clearly, they're now trying to uh, recoup some draft picks and future assets uh, for for some of the guys on that roster. Yarn Krogh looks like Jordan was going to be on a move as well. 
Um, but I'm still really not clear on, on what the plan is. I mean, in hindsight, I thought uh, the expansion draft that they, that they underwent in, in July, I don't know if that's necessarily how I would have handled it either because they left some good players that were available uh, untouched, might have, might have made them a better team in the short term uh, and might have made them uh, put them in a position where they had um, more attractive assets to move at the deadline. So still a little confused with what they're doing right now in Seattle, but, but certainly uh, anybody that they've got to sell off as a pending UFA, I think it would behoove them uh, to try to move them for whatever they can get. Dave, um, you know, I do a, a lot of radio with the guys in Edmonton and back and forth. And, you know, I sort of pay close attention to what's happening with the Oilers. And listen, they've got some of the greatest players on the planet. And they haven't had guys that have been very good at stopping pucks. Miko Koskinen has had a great month. I think he's got a 925 or 926 in the last 12 games. They've started to win a lot. Yep. It has not been Mike Smith, though I believe Smith is going to go tonight against Buffalo. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but it was always assumed that the number one fire in the league when it came to the net was Edmonton. Is that still the case, or is it in Toronto right now, despite Eric Schalgren's heroics in his first start with the shutout last week? By the way, thanks to the Leafs, Jets really needed you guys to uh, take out the Dallas Stars. Well, what do you make of the goaltending market right now and the situations in Edmonton and Toronto? Yeah, uh, like I don't see a lot of goalies available that would be significant improvements on what Edmonton or Toronto has at the moment. Like for me, if you look at the Maple Leafs, it's either to, to me, you hope that Jack Campbell or Peter Morazic or Eric Schalgren, who knows, is able to perform at a level that is um, going to be sufficient enough to be in games. Like I don't think the Leafs need, Vesna Trophy caliber netmine, and they just need a guy that can make the stops that he's supposed to make. They haven't really had that for the better part of the last couple of months. So um, there's that, or go out and and see if you can get Mark Andre Fleury. If you can't do that, you know James Reimer, Semyon Verlamov. I've heard his name brought up, but he's still got another year left at five million. Uh, Anton Forsberg. Like, are these guys really guaranteed improvements from what Toronto has right now? I don't think they are. So, um, to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Same with Edmonton right now. Um, I, I kind of put them in the same position. Koskinen has been uh, good over the last month. Um, he's given them goaltending that, that they've needed. Um, he's not going to be the best goaltender in, in the NHL. He's not chances are going to be the best goaltender in any particular series that that they go into. Like, if they end up playing the Los Angeles Kings in the first round, I'd still bet on Jonathan Quick. I'd still take him before I'd take Migo Koskin. If uh, somehow at any point they end up playing the Winnipeg Jets, if the Jets are able to squeeze in, I think Connor Hellebuck uh, is a guy that I'd bet on before, uh, before Migo Koskin. So is there a guy out there that they can get to, to be – uh, guaranteed improvement. I'm not, not so sure that there is. So I think really it, it, it's status quo in both those markets. And I think if, if we want to talk about Toronto for a second, uh, the attention they need to to pay is on the blue line. They need, they need a top four defenseman. Uh, if they don't get a guy like that, I just don't think they're going to have a chance because I don't think they've got enough national league caliber top four defenseman on that blue line. That's where I'd focus my attention. If I were Kyle Dubas, 
Um, not so much in goal at this point, because I just don't see how you can go out and, and guarantee yourself to improve on what you already have right now. Um, as far as Dubas goes, well, how much pressure is on Dubas right now? Um, both for Monday, but also come playoff time. I mean, is he, is his job in jeopardy if they have another flame out in the first round? I'll, I'll put it this way. He's certainly feeling more pressure than I think he ever has um, in this marketplace because the appetite for continuing to lose in the first round um, is at a minimum right now. And if they go yet again with another loss in the first round, they're probably end up going to end up facing a really good team in the first round, probably Tampa Bay or Florida. If they slip, if Boston catches them, they could end up facing a team like Carolina. So they're not going to get a, a gimme series like they have. They're, they're going to be underdogs. They right. will be underdogs. I'm telling you right now, when we see the odds at cool bet, when things get going for the first round, Toronto's going to be an underdog. Right. So you're not going to get a gimme series like they got with Montreal last year and still found a way to lose that. So um, that being said, if they lose again in the first round, like it, this is becoming a tough sell, right? Like how can you – so it's either one of two things in Toronto. Either there's, there's full-scale um, management change or you have to dramatically alter the look of your group. Like, tr- tell me this, Hustle. You've been around a long, long time. You know how it goes in these marketplaces. The Leafs lose in the first round. Explain to me, what is the sell job that the Leafs can deliver that would turn the Toronto marketplace into an accepting marketplace if, one, Kyle Dubas returns, and two, um, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander, Mitch Marner are all on the team next year. Like, well, how, how do you come back with that again and say, no, it'll work this time for sure. We promise. Like, it hasn't worked for six well, years. Well, the funny thing is, is that for so long, and, you know, you can be the judge of whether this is part of the, the issues with the Leafs, is that they've known that it doesn't really matter. The building's going to be full. The TV ratings are going to be great. They're going to be making a ton of money. Um, So... Like, listen, MLSC is not going broke if all of a sudden they bring those guys to come back. But no, I will say this from a hockey cup, perspective. Right? Well, absolutely. You know, for now listen, Brendan Shanahan and Dubas might absolutely believe that, you know, they have that group. But you're right. Selling it to fans is is difficult. But unlike a lot of other markets, you know, what happens if? Well, what happens if they go do it again and people get frustrated and there's lots of people calling in on talk shows, but nothing really changes. What will be interesting, and I mean, I'm, like I said, I think Brendan Shanahan is, you know, the guy that really at the top is running all the shots. It's about what, it, does he feel that everything, like he's so in, intrinsically linked with Kyle Dubas. Like, I don't think Dubas has just been going lone wolf and making all these deals. They've been together. Um, you know, the pressure on both of those guys to get things done and and make something happen and make it look like there is progress happening. Because listen, it's a fun team to watch. There's a lot of great individual players. But if you're making tea times again, 10 or 11 days into the Stanley Cup playoffs, I do agree with you. That's not really going to be, uh, be very well received by these fans that haven't seen anything positive for nearly 20 years. No, no. And like, I, I understand what you're saying. But but what I will tell you is is firstly, 
since they started letting uh, fans back in the building at, at full capacity, the building has not been sold out. It's not empty, but it's not a sellout. It's been a thousand, fifteen hundred, couple thousand fans shy of a sellout. Um, is that because of apathy setting in? Is that because people still aren't comfortable going to games? Is that because of um, the checks that you got to go through to get into the building? It could be a multitude of different things, but but the building is not full. Uh, secondly, over the last two years, no MLSC isn't going broke, but man. There was not a lot of cash flow coming through the door at 40 Bay Street over the last year uh, and a half, uh, two years almost, right? So they're they're not going broke, but they'd like to try to make some of that money up. And the best way you can do that is start to bring in revenue that is unbudgeted for. In other words, playoff revenue, right? Because you don't you don't factor that into your budget at the beginning of the year. That's that's gravy on top. Any round that you go. It's all unbudgeted for revenue, so that that is a, a significant factor. And then, and then three. Just the other point is, like, if you're not going to win a cup and you continue to lose in the first round, you're, you're what are you even doing here, right? Like, you're not happy with that. And um, I think the market now is at a point where the the patience is at a minimum. The patience is really worn thin. And generally speaking, changes come once the the marketplace reaches the end of its tether um, in terms of in terms of patience. And I just really can't see a scenario in which they lose again in the first round and they come back with the same management group and the exact same core and they just tinker around the edges with you know older guys on one year deals on like we call them all the time hope deals where you hope they punch above their salary because they're so boxed in from a cap standpoint. Like I, I just, I don't think that's going to fly anymore in this marketplace if they continue to lose again in the first round. No, it is fair. Dave McCarthy's with us, NHL.com, host of the Sunday Brunch and Sirius XM NHL radio and owner of the best fedora collection in all of Canadian sports media. Dave, uh, we're going to focus in on the Jets with Brandon Rewicki in just a couple minutes. So before we go, I'm going to ask you about two Canadian teams in very different positions. The Calgary Flames, who've had this incredible turnaround without really shaking up their core, bringing in a new head coach, Daryl Sutter, and the job that he's done. What do you make of where they are right now? The addition of Yarncroc, should we expect more moves? And then on the other side of things, the rebuilding Ottawa Senators. It sounds like Shabbat's out for the season. They weren't going to the playoffs anyways. What do you make of Pierre Dorian's challenges and what might be available to him coming up on Monday? Well, first in the Calgary Flames, I think I tweeted a month or so ago on a Saturday night, man, I'm really liking the look of this Calgary team. Like, they're a legit team. I think they could contend for a Stanley Cup. And I think it was that Monday they went out and acquired Tyler Toffoli to strengthen their team. Uh, and they've really not looked back since then. I think they've won 17 of their last 21 games. I love everything about this team. Like, I, if... If they went up against Colorado Avalanche in a playoff series, like we all love Colorado, but I'm not so sure that it would be a guarantee that that Colorado would win that series. You know, you like to talk about betting and odds all the time on the show. I'd call that series a pick em. Really, I would. Because, look, coming into the year, I thought Calgary was going to be a defensively strong team. I thought they'd be structured. I thought they'd have good goaltending. I thought they'd have to win a lot of games two or three to one. 
uh, in order to contend. Well, I was right on all of that, except for the fact that they don't have to win games two or three to one. They can win games six or seven to one, it seems, because they, <laughs> they they can score as good as any team in the league. And I haven't necessarily expected that. Um, they're one of only three teams that have uh, two 30-goal scores. Johnny Gaudreau is three goals away from making it three 30-goal scores. They've got Sean Monaghan down on their third line. So they've got depth throughout their lineup right now. What do we see about teams that win Stanley Cups? They've got a third line that can really, really swing the uh, the tide in a series. They go out, they get Yarncroke. That adds another element to their, their team. Um, I think Daryl Sutter's done a tremendous job of really uh, identifying roles for guys, putting guys in positions to succeed, um, and and they're having success because of it. So this Calgary team, man, like I I love everything about them, and I could see them. I wouldn't be shocked they got to the Cup final. Um, for Ottawa, I'm abundantly concerned. I really am. I thought last year they would take a step forward. That never happened. I thought, okay, you know, they looked good at the end of last year, second half of last year. They were they were a really strong team, but this goes back to the old baseball axiom: never never judge anything that you see in September, so to speak, or I guess in this case, never judge anything that you see uh, when it doesn't matter at the end of the season when you're already out of it. And they have not looked good again this year. And and I, this was the year for them to, to have a Detroit-like year where, you know, you're, you're not going to make the playoffs, but it's not complete devastation, really. Like, they've been in the mix, Detroit, for half the year. They're sliding a little bit. But you're seeing some really nice development with some of their younger players. And you're like, okay, you know, this is a nice foundational year. And now we can tinker a little bit in the offseason, maybe some more development from the Siders and the Ravens and guys like that. And uh, maybe we could be poised to sniff around for a wildcard spot next year. And they honestly be thinking that in Ottawa this year, like they're they're right at the bottom of the, the conference again. So to me, this was a year where the, it was a fork in the road. They could either have that Detroit year or they could kind of, go on the reverse and end up being like Buffalo um, where you slip back into another prolonged period of mediocrity. Um, I've got some concerns about where Otto was going because we hear about all their young pieces, but haven't seen anything yet. Hey Dave, uh, what's coming up? I imagine the Sunday brunch will be packed with trade talk heading into the deadline the following day. Yeah, it will be. Uh, still got some irons uh, in the fire right now. It's hard to plan a show like this leading up to the deadline because there's totally. so moving parts, right? So uh, you don't want to plan too far in advance because anything you do now, by the time uh, airtime rolls around on Sunday, uh, it could be uh, it could be moot, so to speak. So uh, we'll be all over the deadline. Anything breaks on our watch, we'll we'll let the listeners know and uh, we'll uh, react to whatever we've seen over the last uh, couple of days. Hey, great catching up again, dude. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for your time. Thanks, buddy. Right on. There it is. Dave McCarthy at Dave A. McCarthy on Twitter. You can read his work at NHL.com and check out the Sunday brunch. Coincidentally, on Sunday mornings on Sirius XM NHL radio. All right. Brandon Rewicki going to join us in just a second. Uh, do want to thank our friends at Manitoba Battery for helping us power Winnipeg Sports Talk each and every day. Manitoba Battery has been the go-to spot for people in the city and province to get their batteries all through this miserable winter. Of course, Manitoba Battery, a locally owned family company, cranking up batteries for pretty much every make and model at the best price in town, $100 on most makes and models or less with Core Exchange, and they'll deliver it to you anywhere in the city for $115 on the same day if you get your order in by 1.30 p.m. 
uh, booster cables and more. And of course, flasher batteries for you ice fishermen. They'll keep you catching on the water, on the ice, I should say, right up until the end of the season. And then as we transition from the winter into the summer, uh, boats, RVs, they've got it all. If you need a battery, go see Donnie and the gang. 1026 Logan Avenue, 7838787, or online at manitobabattery.com. You know, this is always a fun day. It is St. Patrick's Day. People want to rock the green. I would suggest if you're looking for something green last minute, pop by Royal Sports. You can grab a a, a green St. Patty's version of a number of teams' jerseys or uh, dare I say rider gear, but, you know, you wouldn't want to wear that for the other 364 days, so maybe don't go that way. Bottom line is, whether it's green or anything else, if it is a licensed piece of merchandise from your favorite team, Royal Sports has it. Thousands and thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, including many exclusives, exclusive Bomber Championship gear as well. NFL, Major League Baseball, man, with all the excitement about the Jays, I have a feeling they'll be selling a lot of Blue Jays gear coming up over the next little bit. World Soccer and more. Biggest hockey section in town. Snowboards as you get ready for spring break. And of course, a great fitness section too. And all the cool stuff over on the Kings skate, snow and surf side. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sales and pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway. And Winnipeg Sports Talk is also brought to you in part by our friends at Not Auto Corp who are ready for the summer. If you're thinking about a new whip before you do anything, head on down to the folks at Not at Waverly and McGilvery. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Check out everything they've got on the lot, or if there's a particular make and model you're looking for, they'll source it for you, get it to Winnipeg, and get you in it at the best possible price. Not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. All right, let's talk Jets right now. We welcome in our good friend, Brandon Rewicki, host of the Skates and Plates podcast. Subscribe wherever you're getting Winnipeg Sports Talk, your other favorite pods. Lots to get to with Brandon coming off that big win against Vegas, Boston tomorrow night, and of course, the trade deadline on a Monday. B, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, man? Well, I'm good. You know, I got a haircut. I was getting lots of compliments, and now I'm number two on the list just on this one screen right now. You're looking like a million U.S. tax-free, as usual. Welcome to the program. <laughs> yeah, 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 I wish I was getting some of that, but um, <laughs> that's all good. Here's the, I like the flow, though. It's 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 pretty like it's just solid getting the job done. I, I'm a big fan, dude. I had a, I mean, I I think this is partly with the pandemic, and partly if I need to, just throwing a hat on, which I like to do often, anyways. Uh, but I was so past the best before date on the last cut. It was uh, <laughs> it was an emergency today. So, anyways, got it done, and uh, we're ready for uh, what's going to be a real interesting few days for the Winnipeg Jets. First off. Did you think the Jets might jump back in on Matthew Perot on the waiver wire? We uh, we ran a poll yesterday on the program when he found out he was on the wire. And funny enough, 85% of viewers wanted 85 back with the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, Perot cleared today. Uh, did that at all surprise you, considering where the Jets are with forwards and the potential of potentially seeing Copper Stastny move? Yeah, I, I would have taken the leap on that. I mean, uh, what is he making? Like 800K, something like 950 that? 950 is his number for this yeah. year. So, I mean, basically the same as any call-up that you would bring up from the Manitoba Moose. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I think it would be an upgrade on the fourth line at the very least. So I, I, I would have taken the plunge. But I understand, especially with the deadline coming up, you know, maybe teams want to um, make, make sure they're not stocked with too many 
pro-level contracts and things like that. So not overly surprised, but I wouldn't have minded bringing Matty P back. The flow, the flow with the flow game of the Jets would have been brought back up with him in. But um, yeah, I, I understand why the Jets didn't do that. Speaking of flow, I've just noticed Remus has been adding these emotes for our channel members over the course of the last little bit. And I do believe there is now a Brandon's hair, a hair oh, emote. God. Phyllis just dropped that. And she said, Ooh, love the Rewiki hair emoji. Absolutely. <laughs> you can. Oh yeah. Remus has got it on. So yeah, feel free to drop the Brandon's hair emotes in there. Very, very popular here on the program. <laughs> um, so no Matthew Perot. The great news today coming out of practice is that Andrew Kopp is back on the ice. And I mean, we'll talk about what this means for Kevin Sheveldayoff. But first and foremost, I mean, that was a, a nervous moments, I think, for Kopp, his agent, everyone connected to Andrew Kopp, as well as his teammates when he got absolutely railroaded by Oscar Sundqvist. And, um, you know, I talked with Murad, who's had some concussions. He said this hit it's close to home. I mean, when you saw him throw his helmet going down the hallway, he thought maybe this was sort of the realization of, oh, no, here we go again. But first and foremost, just great to see him back in the lineup. And, you know, even if it's only for a couple more games, you know they're going to be able to use him tomorrow in another big one against the Boston Bruins. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of speculated that he was throwing the uh, the helmet down. Just You're just pissed off at the situation, right? Whether or not he was actually hmm. hurt there. It's just like, are, are you kidding me? Like just just the most important uh, couple of weeks of my career coming up here. Might want to make sure I stay healthy. But yeah, I mean, good for him just on a personal level. Huge for the Jets. I mean, either way you look at it, either helping them in the stretch run or, you know, being an asset when it comes to the trade deadline here. And I, it's it's very, very welcome news because these are two extremely, extremely massive games for the Jets no matter which side of the ledger you fall on, right? And it's it's funny because I wonder how many Jets fans ultimately want them to sweep these next two games. You know what I mean? Because there's, I imagine there's a decent contingent that are in the Who wouldn't? Stasty, no matter what. But I mean, if they win both games, I know fans might think a certain way, but that's that's going to be tough on Kevin Sheveldayup if they're actually in a playoff spot by Monday morning to turn around to the group of players there and say, hey, thanks for getting us to this point, but we're moving two top nine forwards out the door. Well, you know what? Okay, let's talk about that because I know, Jim, I mentioned this earlier. We're saying, you know, it's the whole thing, and we've heard this over and over again. Like, how do you go into the dressing room and say to the guys, uh, you know what, we're moving Andrew Kopp, and this is going to, you know, take away from a, from a bit. And my answer to that is, well, you know what? They're not GMs, so it doesn't matter. Um, you know what? Players play, GMs have a job to do, and that is to make moves in the best interest of the hockey club, both in the short term and the long term. And sometimes the head coach gets caught in the middle, and if that's the case, he's going to have some work to do. But, I mean, you can't be worried about, I mean, at this point with where the Winnipeg Jets are, about hurting some feelings or to use a great Mauriceism, ruffling some feathers um, if you're doing things in the best interest. And at, at the same time, maybe there's a couple players that'll be really disappointed that cops gone. I guarantee you there should be other players that are like, this is great. I'm going to get an opportunity to go into that hole and I'll be able to show them what I can do and make the most of this opportunity. To me, that cannot be something that the general manager is too worried about. I mean, you really have to have tunnel vision as to what your job is. And that is not being a psycho, a psychologist for players that are, you know, have put you in the situation that you're in right now. It has to be doing what's best for the hockey club and thinking about the big picture. Yeah, it can't, but it has. 
Like that's that's kind of the shitty thing about this, right? It's like <laughs> like yeah, you shouldn't think that way, but a lot of people do it, especially you know GMs. There, I mean, some GMs are more you know they they kind of hide away in their ivory tower. Others are a little more attached to their players and, and loyalty and all that. And it, it can be tough just on a personal level to you know kind of put a, a stake into the Jets' play folks for this season by moving those two guys. But I mean, I, I'm totally on board with your line of thinking. Like that's. That's where I'm at here, and really, even despite this recent win streak and despite the other teams faltering, you have to look back at this main question, in my opinion, and, and that's just, are the Winnipeg Jets a Stanley Cup contending team? And even if they've won these past couple of games, I think the answer is pretty clearly no with the group that they have. And I don't even know if you could say it's a team that could necessarily win a round, let alone win multiple rounds with, with how they played throughout this season, right? So... You just you do need to take a step back and this cold, calculated, dispassionate look at your team and say, you know what, we got to do what's best for the club going into next season. And it, it's funny too because when people do bring up the, how do you explain that to the players in the room? You know, how do you deal with potentially unhappy members of your leadership core and all that? I mean, that really got thrown out the window a few years ago when the St. Louis Blues. We're in the exact same position as the Winnipeg Jets, right? They, they move on from Paul Stasny. Braden Shen in particular was somebody that was really pissed off about the trade and, and said so publicly right after it was done. But what do the Blues go ahead and do with that exact same group? They win the Stanley Cup next year. So, you know, for anybody that has reservations about that, an extremely recent example and extremely best-case scenario shows that, you know what, players will be pissed off in the moment for sure. But by the time next training camp rolls around, you know, they're going to be focused on the job at hand. And if it ultimately helps the Jets better contend for next season, you, you got to pull the trigger, especially with the crazy prices we're seeing, Hus. I mean, you're talking about a dream seller's market right now if these prices continue going into Monday. And it, it does feel likely like the Jets are going to, you know, push this thing right up until the last couple of minutes of the trade deadline. So, you know, just from uh, the perspective of helping the team out next year, this is, you're just not going to get a golden opportunity like this for a team that's just outside the playoff spot like the Winnipeg Jets are. Well, okay, let's get to those prices. And I mean, Ben Sherrod is interesting. That's the defense market. But I think you can make a very close comparison of Cali Youngcroft to Andrew Kopp. We were just going through some of the numbers. Kopp's got four or five more points than him this year in about five more games played. Um, you know, if you look at the last five years, Yarncroc's been a little more productive, but that kind of goes back to the first four years, not as much the last couple. Um, what is it? What, what's the what's a return that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets to trade Andrew Kopp? And I, I do want to say one disclaimer, because while I've said Kevin Sheveldayoff has a job to do and he has to not worry about ruffling feathers or any of that, he's got to do what he's paid to do. But I will say, I do have time for the argument that at a certain point, it like you're not just trading him for whatever is available. I mean, I do think that if the asking price isn't met, you can certainly look yourself in the mirror and not trade a player like that, considering you're this this situation that you're in. So what did you think about the return of Kelly Yarncroc? Is that something, would that return be enough for you to trade Andrew Kopp right now? And uh, where is that tipping point? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kopp's a more valuable player than Yarncroke. I mean, I, I don't think Yarncroke plays down the middle as well. Um, and then Andrew Kopp has power play, penalty kill capability on top of it too. So I, I think 
I don't I don't think we're going to be talking about a second and like a conditional pick with Andrew Cop. I, I I'll maintain that he gets a first round pick back if the Winnipeg Jets do ultimately move him or or at least something of similar value if they get a prospect back that's that's fine too. But really the the best thing that happened for the Jets is the Tomas Hurdle extension, right? Because that takes a huge name off the market. And for a team like the Boston Bruins who seem like a natural fit for a guy like Hurdle they don't really have a fallback option. And maybe Andrew Kopp is their plan B. And, and maybe instead of them giving up, you know, a first and a prospect, they might feel a little more comfortable giving up a first round pick for a guy like Andrew Kopp. And, and really, if you look at the, the trade board, Andrew Kopp's the second most valuable name on it when it comes to forwards. You have Claude Giroux. And I mean, I guess it depends what happens with JT Miller. But as far as rental forwards, Andrew Kopp's number two. You could make the case that Paul Stassi's number three. Right. Like, so I think, you know, in my opinion, I look at the, the Yarn Croak deal as maybe more of a comparable to what Paul Stasny could bring back. Because, I mean, their point totals are pretty similar. Then you have the, the veteran intangibles that teams love at this time of year that Stasny brings as well. You know, Stasny could get you a similar return as Yarn Croak. The Jets, the Jets, only, the Jets only paid a fourth for Stasny the last time they picked him up. I mean, are we supposed to expect that the market is so different right now? Yeah, him I think being so. a year older. Now, that being said, he's been hot lately. He's got 17 goals on the season. I mean, the timing is good for the value of Stasny as a rental, not necessarily a long-term solution for a team. Yeah, he w- but he was a fourth-round pick at six and a half mil. And I don't think any good of that point. was retained. Good point. So a bit of a different situation. He's like three and change. A little bit under four this year. The Jets can retain on both Cop and Stasny too, which makes them a little more valuable to to some of the other teams that are out there. I mean, there, I I think they can get a decent haul for both of those guys. I, I really do. A, a team like Toronto intrigues me a ton too because they look like they're trying to be super busy and and picking up somebody. And hey, they there's been some talk that they might be a team that double dips. You know, grab a forward and grab a defenseman too. Um, and you mentioned the Ben Sherrod return. Which, yeah. hey, even if you're a Ben Sherratt fan, that's a crazy return. Brendan Dillon plays a very similar style of game as Ben Sherratt, and he's got some term on his deal, right? Like, so there, you know, I'm not saying the Jets are going to package Brendan Dillon with one of the pending UFA forwards for, for a big deal, but there, there, there's the potential for that, but there's also the potential for a side deal with Brendan Dillon as well. If, if the prices are going to be that crazy, again, like you said, you don't give them away for free, but. Teams are offering a first-round pick plus for Brendan Dillon, and it opens up a spot for a Sandberg, a Hanela, whoever else it is. You know, maybe the Jets don't lose a whole bunch, but they can pick up a bunch of assets as well to to help their retool this offseason. Well, okay, Dillon's so interesting because, I mean, I think he brings something to the Jets that a lot of others don't. Um, you know, you like the cap number. You like the fact that he's signed. Um, he's a big, strong player that, you know, is able to hit and he's got deceptive speed too. I mean, we've seen him jump into the play on a couple of these two on ones as of late and even had a breakaway that wasn't a club that I thought he had in his bag. That being said, I'm with you. They'd be interested in Brendan Dillon, but from Shevel Dayoff's perspective, if you were ranking the defensemen, say you come to the determination, okay, I have to move one of these five guys that are on, that are on the books right now to both open up a spot for one of these younger guys to be able to maybe shift some of the cap uh, cap expenditures to the forwards. Of those five defensemen, Brandon, if it's up to you, 
who would you prefer to move based both on production, but also we can't ignore how much money they're taking up of the cap. Yeah, I think I think we're probably both in agreement. It would be Nate Schmidt. Problem is, how do you do that? I, I, I don't know. I don't I mean, especially in season. I don't know how you pull that off. Maybe, maybe in the offseason. But realistically, the Jets are probably going to have to tag on an asset. Just to just to get rid of the the cap hit for Nate Schmidt, even though he still brings some value to the team, but I mean he's got a bigger cap hit than Brendan Dillon. I don't want to say his skills are replaceable, but you know Morrissey and Pionk and, and maybe Hanela, like you don't necessarily have a major major need for defensemen that can move the puck up the ice, as opposed to like you mentioned, you know Brendan Dillon brings a, a nasty element that. You know, Logan Stanley gives at times that is doing more as of late, but you're, you're definitely lacking with that, with the state of the Jets decor as it is right now. So, so Nate Schmidt, for sure, for sure, number one for me. I just don't think it's reasonable whatsoever. Brendan Dillon, I, I have no problem if Brendan Dillon is a Winnipeg Jet moving forward, but it's just that if you want to improve your decor, if you want to shave off some cap space, you know, that's that's probably the guy that, a would help you do that, but B also give you a couple of assets and, and some pretty valuable ones as well. The, the one name that that's kind of intriguing to me, just because I've noticed him a little bit more over the last couple of weeks, but a guy that I might have thought about moving earlier in the season is is almost an untouchable right now, and that's Dylan Demello. He's been freaking outstanding. I mean, he he just he does everything, and he does it so quietly. Like there's no booming hits. You know, he's not rushing the puck up the ice or anything like that. But in that game against Vegas specifically, I mean, in the neutral zone, he stepped up a half a dozen times in the first two periods. And Vegas couldn't even, you know, get into the Winnipeg zone. And the Jets just brought the puck right back up and were able to uh, sustain their own pressure that way. He, he's he been outstanding. And at $3 million, yeah, I, I don't think I'm looking to move on from, from Dylan DeMello anytime soon, even if he is, you know, lacking in the physicality department. Let's assume that Josh Morrissey is an untouchable. People have their own opinions on that, but I think sort of certainly within the thoughts of the organization, he's not going anywhere. He's committed here. He's had a great, really good season. Pionk is interesting. And I know Mitch in the chat has said, you know, and hey, Pionk's a guy that you could trade. If he's got some term, would be of interest to other clubs. My worry, I guess, and you always have to worry about this, is just selling low on a player that, you know, had two really, really strong seasons. And, you know, this year, really, since that Toronto game, being hurt, the suspension and all that, um, you know, everything that came out of that Toronto game has not, um, you know, just hasn't seemed himself at times. Does it make sense to potentially consider Pionk, even in the offseason right now, considering that maybe his value isn't what it would have been, say, at the end of last season? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I'm. I'm a pretty big Pionk fan. I, I. I like the way he plays, and he's kind of. He's kind of nasty too. Like he's. He's got a, an edginess to his game. It seems like whenever they play Edmonton, he plays his best, and, and that brings out some of that. But I. I, I mean, again, I'm Connor not, McDavid. We all yeah, know that. Yeah. <laughs> rent. Rent free. Neil Pionk. He's got a penthouse at the JW Marriott in Edmonton. Yeah. 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 I. I yeah. I, I. I just. I like Neil Pionk. I don't know if I'd be looking to move on from him. But. But again. And and this has always been my thing when it comes to the Jets' decor is you know trying to find the white whale that is a number one defenseman, and if it costs you Neil Pionk moving the other way, then then I I'm okay with it. I'm kind of just in the in the on the boat of whatever it takes to get that guy, find a way to do it. And, and if it means that you have to ship out some some valuable pieces and 
and some players that everybody loves in the meantime, that that's just the price that needs to be paid. Um, but I, I would still stick towards um, Nate Schmidt and, and Brendan Dillon as some of the pieces I'd be looking to move out the other way. Plus, you know, Neil Pionk's a right-handed defenseman. Difficult to, I mean, they're, they're just a, a scarce commodity around the NHL. So I, I think I'd be looking, I'd be, I'd be okay with Morrissey and Pionk. And, and the reason why with those two kind of being, I guess, the quote-unquote core of the Jets' defense is that, you know, if a number one left shot defenseman comes up, you can put him with Pionk on his strong side. If a number one right defenseman comes up, you can put him with Morrissey, and they're on their strong, right? It, it gives you a bit more flexibility that way. So I, I'd have to be blown away if um, with any potential offer if Neil Pionk was to head out the door. Um, Kochi51 says Pionk may have had his best game of the year against Vegas on Tuesday. He was likely playing hurt since. Who knows when? No, I think that's a good point. And hey, bottom line is they're going to need all these guys going forward into this game against the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, we'll get to the Jets and Bruins in a second. I do want to quickly ask you about Giroux. Uh, he, of course, is at the top of the trade list. And I just realized today, looking at his numbers, he's played 999 games. Tonight is 1,000 for the Philadelphia Flyers. What a bizarre situation. I mean, from all the reports we've heard, this is very important for him to get to 1,000 in Philly. Is it going to be 1,000 and then out for Claude Giroux? I mean, are we talking about his final game as a Flyer? Is he going to go out, have a nice presentation, skate a couple shifts, and then be told, get to the room right now. We're we're icing you for the rest of the day to make sure we can trade you. I was going to say it's the Phil Kessel uh, yes. Iron Man right? Like, just give a wave and out you go and over to Florida, Colorado. Right? Yeah. No, that's – it has been an interesting wrinkle, right? Because with how bad the Flyers have been this season, they might have held him out, you know, for, for over a week now. And to be honest, there might have been a deal already. Uh, but, I mean, when you're talking about a franchise legend, like, like really, you have Bobby Clark, and then it's probably Claude Giroux in terms of like flyers legends um in in terms of their forward so he he has a really really special spot and and when when a franchise icon wants to play a thousand games with your team yeah you, you go and, and find a way to do it even if he's going to be moved relatively quickly here but i i still maintain it's going to be either florida or colorado that that pulls the trigger on this one florida's interesting because i mean they're out of first round picks for a few years now um, but Owen Tippett was scratched from his AHL game, I believe today yeah. or w- whenever it was. So, you know, alarm bells there. That that could be a potential add in a in a Giroux trade, and who knows what else they tack on on top of that. But um, yeah, it's 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 just it's kind of funny. It's morbidly funny that he's going to get the standing ovation in Game One Thousand tonight. The Flyers will lose like seven one or something, and then he'll be out the door. Probably, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if it was less than 24 hours later, honestly. Hey, a couple other guys on that trade list. And Giroux's at the top. You got Hampus Lindholm at number two. Makes a lot of sense. He'd be a huge add for a team like uh, the Leafs or somebody that's looking for a legit top four defenseman. And Jacob Chikrin's sort of in a class of his own because he's on a deal that pays him 4.6. There's three more years on the deal. A young defenseman. I mean, the haul for him would be significantly more than any of these players that you know, have expiring contracts. But I've moved down to that middle. Why is Brandon Hagel continually being talked? I mean, the guy has scored 21 goals. He is has two more years at $1.5 million. I mean, if I'm Chicago and I see a guy that's that productive, I mean, I'm not dangling him around to the rest of the league. I mean, 
any any insight as to why we're talking about Brandon Hagel as being this guy that's on the block right now at all? I, I, yeah, it, didn't, it doesn't really make sense to me either. I, I guess if you're – and he's only 23 years old. It's, it's not like you're yeah. talking about a – like Kubelik, for example, kind of makes sense because – you know, by the time Chicago hopes they're back in it, he might be, you know, late 20s, early 30s. But the, the only thing I can think of, honestly, is just that they don't consider him a core piece. And if he could fetch a first round pick right now, hey, why not? Why not cash in while the value's high? But yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one for, for a team that, that wants to get younger and, and better. You generally hold on to your younger, better pieces. So I, I, I don't get it. I'm not sold Chicago's going to move on from him. I, I I think they're just kind of dangling his name out there, hoping somebody bites with a big offer. But the Kubelik one's interesting because the Jets are apparently in on this one. Um, I don't mind him. I, I think he's he an RFA. He does. Uh, he has no term left in his contract, but he does have RFA rights. So if he was acquired by a team like the Winnipeg Jets, they would have the opportunity to do a deal with them or uh, or get compensation. Yeah, it's just do you, do you think he's the guy that scored 30 in 70 games in his rookie season or the guy since then that's a solid player but you know probably a 20 goal maybe 40 point guy. But you know having said that 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 sounds Mason Appleton-esque, doesn't it? And a player they've been trying to find to fit in on the third line for the Winnipeg Jets all season long and you know what they haven't I mean Veselainen hasn't been the guy. They've had a couple other auditions that <laughs> haven't necessarily worked out in the Armia, uh, Appleton, and, and Tanev realms. So it, it, it makes sense. I'd be intrigued. It's just you, you, you can't make that deal thinking he's going to shoot 19% and score 30 goals for you, right? Like he's not, he's not that player. He's the guy that's, you know, shooting 10% over the past two seasons. But, you know, 2020 is still a pretty valuable guy in terms of your, your middle six. Well, hell, I mean, if you told me that you were going to add a guy to the third line of the Winnipeg Jets that was going to score 20 goals, sign me up right now. Sure. Sight unseen. Let's make it happen right now because that could really, really help this team that, you know, hasn't had a lot of times outside of those top two lines. Yeah. And, and maybe that- you trade Stasny for whatever the return is and, and you flip, you know, if Stasny gets you a second and something else, if you flip the second round pick for Kubalik, you know, you're not... You're not necessarily like right, like whether you want to call it break even or whatever. You know, you're you're bringing an asset in that's going to help you next year, but it's also going to help you this year, and maybe that makes things a little more palatable for for management and coaches and players as well. Brandon Rowicki's with us, hostess Gates and Plates. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki. One other really interesting name uh, is John Klingberg from the Dallas Stars, and here's the thing. Um, I think Dallas is in the best position of all of these teams that are in the mix right now to, you know, grab one of these playoff spots uh, because of course the plain and simple is they've got some extra games to play. And even if you extrapolate them out that they're going to get 500 at 500 in those games, that's three points, which is massive. I mean, essentially puts them four points ahead of the jets and it could be even more. And again, there's far more teams than just the jets that are in this mix. So I think that they do have aspirations to get to the playoffs. You know that that playoff money will be important to owners. Miro Heiskanen's now on the shelf for an extended period of time with Mono. Um, can the Dallas Stars afford to trade John Klingberg in the position that they're in right now, considering Heiskanen's out? Good question. I guess it depends what the I guess it depends what the return would be, right? Like- yeah. 
<laughs> it's just the, the Sharon trade has kind of thrown me for a loop when it comes to defensemen. Because I, like, I know there was all the talk that he was, you know, highly coveted and things like that. But still, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I can I can see why a team like Dallas would want to push for a playoff spot because, quite frankly, the future is terrifying for them. Because Sagan and Ben are, are maybe third-line guys at this, right? Like, they've fallen off a cliff. Meanwhile, I mean, Pavelski is, you know, apparently the fountain of youth, but you have Pavelski, Hinton Robertson are the future there, but there's not really a, a whole lot to get super, super excited. Like, it's just, it's a really, really old team in Dallas. So I can see why they would want to keep what they have in-house right now and just make a push and, and see what happens. Maybe make Daryl Sutter eat some crow and get in more than eight days against the Colorado Avalanche, something like that. But <laughs> I, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised I would, I would be surprised if Klingberg is moved, but I do not anticipate him coming back to Dallas next season. And that is a guy that, you know, while he has a lot of cachet with the name, I would steer clear in a big, big way in free agency because that is a contract, a guy that's just about to turn 30. That is, I, I just, it's, it's got alarm bells all over the place. So I'm staying away from Klingberg deadline or free agency, whatever it is. <laughs> um, Hampus Lindholm, though, I mean, if he does get moved by Pat for B, considering what Ben Sherratt was able to get on the open market, I mean, if if it's a first, a fourth, and a prospect for Ben Sherratt, what the heck's it going to take to get Hampus Lindholm? And I'm sure Kyle Dubas is wrestling with that right now in his uh in his office at the uh, top of the uh, tower, wherever he's working at. <laughs> I feel so bad for Dubas, honestly, because, the, you know, the, the leaves all their reward for being what, like the sixth best team in the NHL, which you would never know right now, because apparently the sky is falling and they're the worst team in, in the in NHL history. But, can't make a save. Yeah, they can't make a save. Like, but, with the exception of Shalgren, who, of course, had a shutout. Maybe, maybe <laughs> he's the, the chosen one coming in. He'll get the start tonight against the problem, Carolina. The problem for Dubis, though, is this, is that people say you need defense help. People say you need goaltending. People say you need bottom six. You need grit up front. They need a wish doctor. And you're not getting that. Out of the, de- the, the Leafs are cursed. It doesn't matter what they do. Because ultimately, some other issue is going to pop up out of nowhere, and it's going to bite them in the ass, and they're going to flame out in, in spectacular fashion, right? Because what was the talk 40 games into the season? Jack Campbell is a Vesna candidate. Now it's, we got to give up a first-round pick to get a goalie in because we can't buy a save. Like it just There's always something else that, that pops up with Toronto. So I I, I just, I, I don't envy Kyle Dubas's position. It's, it's kind of a lose-lose. I, I honestly, I, I have no idea what they do. I don't know if making a big splash is the right move for the Maple Leafs, but they're they're in a total lose lose. It does it seems like whatever happens, just it's it's not going to matter for them. And then on top of it, what's their reward? A first round matchup against one of the Florida teams. So you can make a big move, you could play well, but if you're facing the Lightning or the Panthers, you could play really well and only go five games deep into the playoffs. So, well, we'll and I was just talking to Dave McCarthy about that, and Dave makes the great point. I mean. You know, this has been the same old story for a long time in Toronto, and they've invested so much in this incredible core of talented young players, although paying them a ton. And um, if they go out again in the first round, I mean, how do they run it back with the same guys and the same management and the same coach? And, um, you know, it but could, could you say a- the same with Florida? You know what I mean? Like Florida hasn't. 
when's the floor it was the rats the last time they won a playoffs it feels like right and florida has a young yeah, court like dude, it's just it's like, interesting but no one even knows that that's happening down there like, i mean it's very different like to compare yeah. toronto to florida and let's not forget that i mean they did make the big move to get joel quenville in and then uh Quenville had to uh, quietly duck out of the uh, of the hockey world, and you got Brunette who's sort of taken over. And to be honest, they haven't really missed yeah. a beat. Um, but I mean, they've put a lot into this year. But I mean, the pressure you cannot compare. Like, listen, if the pat if the Cats go out in the first round, there probably will be like at least one article in a newspaper somewhere in southern South Florida about that, and then. They'll go back to, uh, you know, talking about Tua on uh, on Sports Talk Radio for five hours in a row. I mean, it's not the same, whereas there will be... I mean, if you thought the trucker convoy was out of, out of hand, just wait till the Leafs go out in four or five games to Florida or Tampa. I, I joke, but I mean, there really will be a lot of unrest in and around there. And I am with you. I'm fascinated as to the, the challenge right now on the hands of, of Dubas and... Here's the other thing, um, you know, when we're talking about goaltending, and I didn't realize this until I was just checking, but Peter Morazic has two more Ooh. years on his deal at $3.8 million. I mean, I kind of think that they were went into the season thinking that, all right, Jack Campbell and Morazic will go at it. We'll sort of evenly split it. One guy plays a bit better. We'll go with him. But whatever happens with Jack, at least we've got Morazic for the next two seasons. Uh, confidence levels of Peter Mrazek could not be lower right now, considering his recent performances. Yeah, and uh, how's pretty dude in Carolina, by the way? <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Bez, he's got runner up, Vesda runner up, <laughs> right? Like, this is what I mean by their curse. Everyone said, hey, Mrazek to Anderson is, you know, maybe just like a lateral move, but but you're paying him less than Freddie, so it's, it's going to end up okay. And now Mrazek can't stop a beach ball. Freddie Anderson is has turned into, you know, 2005 Cam Ward and the Leafs are, are, are biting it once again. So it's, it's just, it's, it's funny, right? Like they're, they're, I know it's a little bit different, but it's kind of a similar situation to the Capitals for the first like eight Ovechkin years, however long it took right now. They won a couple series at the very least. They couldn't get past the second round was their, their mountain that they couldn't climb, but but very similar in, in what's happening right now with the Maple Leafs and that if you lost to Florida in the Eastern Conference Finals, nobody's making fun of you for that, right? But that's the Leafs' potential first-round matchup. Like, that's just kind of the cards that they're dealt with the division that they're in here. So it's, they're, they're my most intriguing team for sure moving forward here, just because it's, it's going to be parades if they win in six. And like you said, it's going to be convoys and riots if it's anything other than a first-round victory, even if the Florida Panthers are a cup contending team. The phones are open, folks. Light them up. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Um, You know one team that no one's talking about, and maybe this is just because they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, especially in these Canadian markets, but is the Carolina Hurricane. And when I think about the East, I mean, I think about those three teams in the one division of the Leafs who have been very good, but they're, they're with Tampa and Florida. And then Carolina, who's kind of comfortably in first in their division, I think they've got an easier path, at least to the conference finals. Um, and they've got a heck of a team. We have not heard about them being very aggressive, looking to do very much. I mean, they've got some players on, you know, IR, like a Jake Gardner and Tony D'Angelo is apparently day-to-day -day coming back right now. But, I mean, you think that uh, Rod the Bod and gang might be, uh, you know, kind of very covertly operating this deadline move and uh, making a big push to try to finally get out of the East and play for a cup? 
it might be the most winnable Metro they've had, right? For sure. Like, the Rangers, everyone looks at the Rangers as a paper tiger. But the, the tiger part of that is Shesterkin, who's, you know, yeah. actually two points. So that, I mean, there's there's that. But the Rangers, like, forwards defense don't necessarily scare you. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's a tough out for sure, but they're not the Penguins of five years ago. The Capitals are, oh, they're in free fall, right? Like, so you're just looking, going down the rest of the Metro. You don't have to worry about the other teams whatsoever there. But, like, that's a really, really winnable and, and easy path to get into at least the conference finals. And then you're facing one of the Atlantic teams who had to go through an absolute gauntlet to get to that point, right? So I can totally understand Carolina wanting to go, wanting to go all in here. I, I, I don't know if they will though. Like they're playing so well, they, they might be one of those teams that do you want to mess with what's going on right now? I just, I, I, I don't know. I, they're they're an intriguing team. Like they always kind of make these under the rate. Like nobody saw them doing the Kakaniemi offer sheet. They, they just might grab somebody that nobody's even talking about right now, and we're all, what the hell just happened there? But the one thing I will say with Carolina is, more than just about any team in the league, if you could create like a template or a blueprint as to how you want um, your team to play hockey, like if you're a fan of a team, how you want them to play hockey, that's Carolina. Like they just make you work for every single inch of ice every single night. And I mean, remember the the Carolina Jets game earlier in the season. When it was that was like the typical men versus boys game. Uh, if, if the Jets could do anything this deadline, if they could find a way to to bottle up what Carolina is doing and sprinkle that here, that that would be the biggest deadline addition. That Carolina game was a major reality check, I think, for Jet fans. I got to give a shout out to Chris Vermette. I think he might be in the chat. I went to the game with him actually, and we sat second row behind the visitors' goal in the first and third period. And basically didn't see any of the game during those two periods, if you know what I'm saying. But there's not a lot going on around uh, around Freddie Anderson uh, that night here uh, here in Winnipeg. Brandon, great conversation. Just quick thoughts on this game tomorrow against the Bruins. Uh, lost last night to the Wild. It was their second night game in as many nights. They are going to be a playoff team. I mean, you sort of know what you're getting with Boston. Um, huge opportunity for the Jets, uh, but also a big, big challenge for them to sort of keep this going. and. If you're in the room and you're one of the players that actually is aware that the trade deadline is on Monday, uh, you're able to maybe give your general manager a little bit more pause for thought uh, with two points. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe you start the game with a Bronx cheer and the Jets come out <laughs> flying. Maybe that's the maybe that's the secret sauce. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean Boston. It's funny with Boston; they've kind of been the same team for like. A decade right like you just you know what you're going to get with them they're going to be defensively solid the bergeron line is going to realistically run roughshod all over you i i mean i imagine that we see dave lowry match up shifley's line against uh patrice bergeron's line that's just how he's done things in the are past. you sure i mean i i was literally before you even brought that up gonna say actually let's talk about this for a second who gets the <laughs> bergeron line because I got to tell you, based on what we've seen over the course of this season, uh, I'd feel a hell of a lot better if Pierre-Luc Dubois was out there going up against Bergeron, even with Ehlers and Connor, who neither will be considered defensive dynamos. And to be honest, I think they've got a better chance of spending more time in the other end and uh, not worrying about those guys on the yeah. offense. Yeah, that's, that's again where we get into the what should they do and what will they do, right? Like, in my, I have no problem throwing Dubois out there against against those guys, but 
Dave Lowry and Paul Maurice, what have they done? I'd rather have Cop and Lowry out against those guys, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, over over Shifley's line for sure. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's a brutal, brutal matchup. Like, and, and this might be this might be Bergeron's best season, honestly. Like, if you've looked at some of the oh. the analytics around him this year, thirty six years old, he is like he's just he's stupid. And the second he retires, that trophy, the Selkie trophies, should and hopefully will be renamed to to the Bergeron pretty quickly here. But it's. This has always been kind of just an interesting divide, hasn't it? That when it comes to top-line matchups, the Winnipeg Jets coaching staff has always leaned towards Mark Shifley's trio, despite the fact that, you know, Shifley, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, Kyle Connor, not good defensively whatsoever, but Shifley and Wheeler for the past couple of years have been some of the worst defensive forwards in the entire NHL. Yet they continue to get the tough tasks, like going up against a group like the Berger online, whereas... I, I just you watch Dubois play, and especially with Connor and, and Ehlers flanking him. But these past few games, I mentioned this on the podcast, but he kind of looks like Mini Lindros out there. Like he's he's oh. taking games over physically. I, I would at least like to give Bergeron that element to deal with. You know, you're, you're not going to necessarily slow him down, and he's probably going to find a way to to work around it. But you know, at least make him work for it a little bit. I think Dubois can do that a little better than Shifley right now, but. I'm just that that's that's what we're gonna end up seeing is 55 up against 37. Hey, we gotta run because we're getting to Andrew Kopp, but just quickly, I'm just looking at Boston. Patrice Bergeron has an expiring contract at the end of the year. Why aren't we talking about him being at the top of the trade list? I I kid <laughs> no. because I know what what would the return for like let's just say Boston was well, you know what? We need to get assets for this player. Is uh I don't think he's gonna come back next year. If we've seen what's been paid already for players, what the heck would Bergeron get at the deadline for his services? Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> it would be. It might. It might be a little more than Ben Sherratt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, somewhere, so, somewhere in the Sherratt neighborhood. That, I think you are right. Hey, listen, we're gonna do a real big show on uh, Monday, like we did last year. We're gonna expand it a little bit, and I'm hoping, depending on your schedule, maybe able to get you on like we did last year and kick around the deals, number of the topics, sort of uh, do a little, uh, a little freestyle, if you will, for uh, for some time next Monday, if that works for you, because uh, certainly lots of intrigue as to what happens here in. In Winnipeg and a very interesting trade landscape around the around the league. Dude, I I just went to the LC. I got my mimosas ready to go for Monday morning. So you just just give me the call. I'll find a way to make it work. I'll, I'll try to send some over too. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Uh, fill people in on uh, skates and plates. Uh, when uh, when's the next piece of content coming out, and uh, what can people look forward to? Yeah, tomorrow tomorrow morning it'll come out. So it's a trade deadline preview show. So. You know, a little uh, a little taste of what we talked about here for a bit, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, get into potential destinations for for Cop and Stasny, and maybe even Brendan Dillon as well. So, yeah, we'll get into all that, and and like usual, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I think people get the drill by now. Yeah, you're you understanding. <laughs> Skates and plates. What the heck are you waiting for? If you haven't downloaded and subscribed already, Brandon, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday, dude. Beauty, you too, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> right on. Always good stuff with Brandon Rewicki. And shout out to Remus for getting that hair emote in in the chat. What a great addition to what we've got going on on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. We're going to hear from Andrew Kopp in just a second. Remus is getting some clips ready for us to hear. Uh, he spoke quite extensively after Jets practice today. Uh, but a quick Princess Auto 
curling report. Man, it's been a wild, wild week. Every day we've been talking about some of the top teams stepping away, breaking up. Yesterday was Brad Jacobs' team, and Jacobs is actually taking a year away from competitive curling. But today, I mean, some of the biggest news in the sport. We heard that Jennifer Jones and her team were going their separate ways. But today, Jennifer Jones announced that she's teaming up with Mackenzie Zacharias and Team Zacharias next year to play continuing out of Manitoba. Zacharias, I mean, just the, uh, you know, the junior champs a couple years ago, um, won Manitoba, incredibly talented young women. And now they're getting to team up with the uh, the greatest to ever do it. Um, this is really neat. They'll be playing as a five-some. Probably there'll be some opportunities for Mackenzie to still skip. And these young women will uh, get to pick the brain and be teammates with the uh, legendary Jennifer Jones. And, of course, Jennifer Jones, proud sponsory of Princess Auto, will int be interested to see if that continues going forward. But congratulations to all of them and big news in the world of curling today. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them at one of two locations here in Winnipeg or shop online 24-7, 365. And a quick note, March 20th, this is for you folks out, out west in the Brandon area. The Princess Auto Grey Cup Tour continues right now. And in March 20th, they're going to be stopping by the Brandon location with Buzz Boomer and Brandon Alexander. And Grey Cup merchandise will be sold. So spread the word for those of you out on the western part of the province in and around Brandon. Princess Auto Grey Cup Tour coming to Brandon on the 20th of March with Brandon Alexander, Buzz Boomer, and the Grey Cup. Um, we do want to thank our friends at Little Brown Jug. It's St. Patrick's Day. You don't need to put any green food coloring in a 1919, but you can definitely have a few after work today and make it into the St. Patrick's Day festivities. Of course, Little Brown Jug's 1919 is a legendary beer brewed here in Manitoba, the flagship of the Little Brown Jug brand, but you can pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue and try all seven Little Brown Jug beers. You can pick it up at your local liquor store, uh, beer store, or downtown at the brew house. And you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. They deliver citywide on Wednesdays and on Saturdays. And our friends at Boston Pete's are going to get ready for a big, big night tomorrow. Jets and Bruins. Boston Pizza City Place, great spot to stop by with the family or your pals in the lounge or in the restaurant before or after the game. And if you're not heading downtown, pop by your local BP, watch the big game on the big screen with big sound and enjoy those gourmet pizzas, Boston's wings, ice cold schooners, and more. You can also order online and check out their game day deals at bostonpizza.com. All right, fun combos with our guys, Dave McCarthy and Brandon Rewicki. Let's get Michael Remus back in here uh, because Remo, we do want to hear from Andrew Kopp today. Of course, First and foremost, the concern was about Andrew Kopp's health. It was great to see him back in a regular full contact jersey today. Sounds like he'll be a player tomorrow. I guess the big question is, is this one of his final games as a Winnipeg Jet? Will there be a farewell Andrew Kopp uh, tribute video? I never thought about that. Uh, you know, I remember when I remember when Andrew Ladd got traded and there was it was very emotional. He was the first captain of the Jets and I think and I think Chicago played here um right after the trade too. So yeah, the Andrew Kopp era, he would get a big, he would get a big tribute video if he returned later this season Kopp as, for sure. as an opponent. He's been a big part of this team. 
uh, for a while now. And I, yeah, I'm not sure. It was interesting hearing his his comments earlier today. And also, I have really been enjoying the Princess Auto curling report this week. It, there's, it's uh, it's incredible. It's free agent frenzy in the sport of curling. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Jones going with, uh, what the young bucks to use a wrestling term. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome, uh, to see all this, all the free agency we got NFL, MLB off seasons are wild. And then, uh, and then the curling too. But as far as the jets go, yeah, I think I just mostly, I was happy to see Andrew Cop uh, didn't have a concussion and was practicing today. Well, um, now you have these clips. Why don't yeah. you intro them? Because uh, I'm not exactly sure which ones are coming up, but uh, you've got them ready. Okay. I mean, let's hear from Andrew Kopp, who uh, you know spoke today after practice. And uh, I'm sure there was a lot of questions about the upcoming deadline. And of course, getting back into the lineup for a huge game for his current team, the Winnipeg Jets. By the way, T. Conopoli yesterday, I meant, to, <laughs> I meant to mention this yesterday in chat, had a great line that assuming Cop was going to be in, the Bruins would be treating him on the ice as if he was in a yellow no-contact jersey because they're looking to acquire him. That was a good one, yeah. T. Kona Paul. Well, actually, one thing, too, about the Bruins. So Patrice Bergeron missed Wednesday's game in Minnesota with an arm infection, and Coach Cassidy said you know, he could miss the next game. So we'll wait. I think that's something to watch for, uh, watch for tomorrow. That would be a bonus. And you know, <laughs> I actually remember a game a couple of years ago when the Bruins came in and we Everyone in Winnipeg was all nervous about facing the Bruins and how talented they were. And Brandon Tanev scored a hat trick. So uh, against all against the Bergeron yeah, line. And I, I think at that point they'd given up like one goal at five on five yeah. all season long. So, and then a, uh, the Brandon Tanev hat trick game is is a top 10 game in Jets 2.0 history. If you ask me, it's got to be up there for regular season games, home games, at least. I, I, I think so. Oh, Chris Vermette says Jones is like Chris Jericho trying to form the inner circle <laughs> I th- yeah, i'm not a- i love i'm so here for these curling wrestling references yeah, yeah i guess there are and there are some uh some jets notes as well yeah cash belly says jets are in on kubalik also michael russo was reporting the jets are interested in uh G- the rights to jack mcbain and i always kind of thought the jets could get a college free agent or something trying to say hey you know we can give you some playing time if you you come here it seems like they have had success, you know, talking college free agents. Brandon Tanev uh, was one of them, and it worked out pretty well for him. Well, just on the McBain thing, um, of course, his father is former Winnipeg Jet 1.0, Andrew McBain, who had some mm-hmm. great years here in the peg. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's some sort of a connection. I'm really not too sure how well he knows, might know Zinger, um, you know, might have some connections with the organization. Uh, but the Wild haven't been able to sign this guy. So I guess they're looking at just trading his rights Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to avoid losing him for nothing, you would think that, you know, if you're making that sort of a deal for a guy that could be a UFA later on this summer, you better be sure that you can sign him if you're trading some sort of an asset, especially with a division rival to get him. I had heard that though, and that will be interesting. I guess if he does, if those rights do get dealt, um, I think it'll tell you that the Jets do have some intel that, you know, he could be a player for them going forward into, uh, into next year. Um, but let's hear from Andrew Kopp and what he had to say uh, earlier today post-Jets practice. Yeah, so this is about um, the hit from Oscar Sunkfist and the um, finding out he didn't have a concussion. So here we go, Andrew Kopp. Over the last what, couple days been like uh, for you? Um, well, I guess like right after the hit, I uh, was definitely pretty shaken. Um, I think you kind of saw, I was, like when I was on the ground, I... 
was kind of starting to think the worst. And then you kind of see me get up and uh, kind of thought to myself, I actually feel okay. So um, obviously was frustrated and went into the tunnel and the, uh, the iPads actually weren't working for the concussion test. So uh, we didn't do that at that time. And based on the history, I wasn't going to return to the game. And then um, with kind of everything with our travel schedule and the spring forward and everything like that, we felt like Monday wasn't going to be a good indicator of, of concussion uh, testing, I guess, that day. So we decided to push that uh, big test, I guess, until the next day. And then I passed that. So uh, I was really happy that there hasn't been really any symptoms, hasn't been any, uh, you know, concerns, I guess. We were just being very cautious. And obviously with the... Uh, this amount of time in between the two hits, um, wanted to be very careful of that and not put myself in a situation to get hit again. So, um, last few days have been pretty good. I would say I was pretty shaken just like taking the hit though. Um, so I think that, uh, was in my mind for a few days and, uh, you know, made me hesitant, I guess. Uh, so, but, uh, got a good workout in while they were playing the game on Tuesday and then uh, have, have felt pretty good on the ice the last couple of days. So we'll see where tomorrow takes us, but uh, really happy that there's there's no concussion. And I guess the thing I'm trying to take out of it is that I can take a hit like that, and my head is not as fragile as maybe as I, as maybe I feared when I first got hit, and I uh, feel good after it. So I think that's um, promising and, and honestly gives me a little bit of confidence uh, for when I come back. A mental toll, like when you're waiting to find out the results of the test, given the yeah, I think the problem is I've never failed a concussion test afterwards. That's honestly like the biggest problem is that I don't know if it's um, you know, I'm a good test taker or or what, but like I've never actually failed the test after, so um, that's where uh, precaution and history and all those kinds of things have to really come into play, basically, at just how I feel. So and it, and it's hard to to think about how you're feeling the entire day like am i how am i feeling you know like asking that question to yourself a hundred times a day like oh i feel a pressure in my head for three seconds like is that a symptom oh no it just went away like am i okay so um kind of a lot of that type of thinking but uh it's gotten a lot better in the last few days just from you know what i talked about the confidence of taking a hit like that and not being concussed so that immediate reaction then, Andrew, that was not so much what you were feeling, but what you were perhaps thinking might happen then? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah and just like the frustration and the, uh, I mean, scared, honestly, of, of uh, you know, what could happen, um, you know, if it, was, if it was really bad. So uh, just taking another hit like that, obviously don't want to do that. But uh, like I said, trying, trying to draw confidence from the fact that I'm not concussed and that I can take a hit like that. And, uh, you know, my head's no more fragile than anyone else's. All right. So there's Andrew Kopp talking about the hit, uh, recovering from it. I mean, listen, he is one of the most thoughtful players on the Jets and, and certainly one of the best interviews on the Jets. And it was a, a pretty interesting um, opening up from Andrew Kopp on uh, the fears when he first got hit, because that was an absolutely Heavy, heavy crushing by Oscar Sundqvist. Sort of a bad spot for Andrew Kopp to take it. Um, and uh, the fears that he had. And um, interesting to see. By the way, uh, Stastny and Kopp looking very nice in those in those hoodies. 
Um, I think we'll see pretty much all players uh, on the Winnipeg Jets uh, wearing those. Uh, we saw Logan Stanley and Adam Lowry after the game. And uh, I don't know if I was issued one of those, I'd have no issue wearing it. Anyways, I digress. Let's uh, hear from Andrew Kopp uh, again. He also spoke about um, what everyone's really talking about, and that is the Monday trade deadline and the fact that he has an expiring contract and is headed for unrestricted free agents. It's just, like, anxious a little bit, like, just kind of to see what happens. Um, and then there's, obviously, you want to win. So, like, there's a lot of that that goes on, and maybe it's even more pressure to win because... Um, you know, I've been here for so long. You want to kind of have uh, a chance with this group, but at the same time, um, you know, when you're when you feel like you're out of it, you also want to have a chance to to go and win. So, kind of that highs and lows, and um, just trying to stay as even keel as possible. But it's really hard when there's you know you don't know where, and it, one phone call feels like it could be, you know, okay, you're changing countries you know all that kind of stuff so um just trying to enjoy the really the the present like paul said and um you know i've been here for a long time and have a lot of close friends on this team so just trying to spend a lot of time with them over the next four days and if i you know get a couple more months or whatever after that then great and if not then um try and enjoy my time here while i can when you get that phone call, like when you get a phone call now or phone buzzes with a text or anything like that, do you get a little bit of that? <gasps> uh, I mean, Chevy's name hasn't popped up on my phone recently, <laughs> so that's, so that's been nice. Um, uh, there, there was one conversation that I was actually having with a buddy that kind of I thought I might have been traded just based on the circumstances of the text and whatnot, and uh, definitely gave me a little jolt of uh nervousness uh but uh other than that i think it's you try and uh preoccupy yourself with you know doing things around the house obviously march madness today is going to be a real real nice one for me so um yeah just try and distract yourself and enjoy the time like you said like i said you feel like you guys have done enough to quell those calls six three and one in the last ten two points out i don't know i think that's a question for chevy when you bet on yourself like you have, Andrew, like was it you know, kind of the back of your mind to prepare that there could be a situation like this, you know, going into this season? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at the end of last year, I was, I was looking at houses around here and I was, uh, you know, preparing to sign a long-term deal and with the acquisitions that were made, uh, turned out to not be given an opportunity for me to do that. So, um at that point, I kind of knew that uh, it was going to be, uh, you know, one more year and then see what happens. And uh, didn't envision that I'd be moved at the deadline. Did uh, envisioned us being in a playoff spot and envisioned us adding to our team. But uh, circumstances are what they are. And, um, you know, I just want to enjoy the time here while I have it and try and enjoy an opportunity. All right, interesting stuff from Andrew Kopp. I mean, no one will ever accuse Andrew Kopp of not being upfront and honest when he speaks with the media, that's for sure. Uh, and, you know, I know Kelly asked him about betting on himself, but I mean, I think as he sort of mentioned, he was hoping to get a long-term deal. I mean, this was an opportunity for him to get some security moving forward and, you know, establish himself for the rest of his life and know where he was going to be playing hockey. And, you know, as he kind of laid out when, uh, you know, they signed Pionk and added the two other guys on the blue line, there wasn't any money left for Andrew Kopp. And, you know, 
for that. He's going to get an opportunity to, you know, play where he gets the best offer in this offseason. And um, it doesn't sound like there's been much uh, traction on an extension for Andrew Kopp. Now, uh, let's quickly hear from Paul Stastny because he's in a similar situation, although at a very different point in his career, also an unrestricted free agent that could potentially be on the move on Monday. If you're wanted, it's always good. And you want to be wanted. You know, I think uh, I was... I think early on in my career, you were like scared of something like this, but then you realize teams want you, you know, they see something in you, they value something. So that's always, you know, that's a positive you do get traded. Um, but at the same time, I think for us, uh, you know, not being older, I kind of just enjoy the situation, the present. And if something happens, something happens. It's kind of in my control. But at the same time, you know, I'm just worried about what we're doing as a team here. And then, like I said, I think when we got Copper back, when we got – uh, Ehlers back, you know, we're a whole different team, and you know, we, we, I can see like we're building something good, but at the same time, if you lose two games in a row, you know, things change quick. So for us, it's uh, kind of, you know, we don't have a lot of room for error, but that, you know, it doesn't matter. At the same time, we just, we should just focus on playing Boston next, and um, you know, take, trying to use our home ice advantage, and then trying to get those two points. And um, when the situation arrives in four days, whatever happens. I guess, uh, you know, it's a lot of outside noise. Um, so you can't control much. It's just part of the business, and you just got to go with it and kind of enjoy the process. All right, so there's a little bit of uh, some, some honest comments from Paul Stastny and Andrew Kopp, who are front and center when it comes to uh, trade speculation for Monday's deadline as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets. Want to get to one other clip just before we're done, and this has nothing to do with the trade deadline. Uh, but Andrew Kopp was asked about, you know, the improvement of the penalty kill, uh, what has changed, and the aggressive nature of the PK, and certainly all the chances that the uh, Jets have been producing while shorthanded. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know, I think since we changed our PK going into Seattle, Instead of just sitting on our heels and getting our lawn chairs out and sitting there and waiting for them to tee off on us, got a little aggressive and um, started creating a lot of opportunities, and PK has been really good since then. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's just cashing on his opportunities, and he's, uh, I mean, we're being aggressive and we're, you know, making plays when the, when, when the opportunity's there, especially teams get a little over-aggressive uh, and get four guys below the, below the dots so we can get some two-on-ones, so... Um, he's just he's getting a lot of chances and he's and he's burying uh, he's been on a little bit of a streak on burying them right now. Launchers is a great line. Is it fair to also say that you enjoy the upward aggression? I think that that's a good way to go. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Listen, I think we got to sign this guy long term after after a comment like that. Getting the lawn chairs out and waiting for things to happen. I mean, listen, that's a top 10 comment. We were talking about the Brandon Tanev game as a top 10 game at home since the Jets 1.0. That right there is a top 10 response in any media request we've had in the last 11 years of the Winnipeg Jets. What an absolute zinger and uh more reasons why if Cop does get traded, I'm definitely going to miss him on the ice, but also when he's meeting with the media. This was an amazing uh, availability. Andrew Cop, you know, saying a lot of details about going through the head and his emotions surrounding the concussion. Paul Stasny, I mean, these guys looking absolutely, you know, amazing in these red 
uh, retro hoodies for the Heritage jerseys. Uh, they look great, but I love the phrase, getting the lawn chairs out and waiting for something <laughs> to happen. I mean, because that's kind of what the, what the penalty kill was. Um, they just sit back and let teams tee off uh, on Connor Halbuck from the point. And, I mean, they put Ka- uh, Kyle Connor on the penalty kill, being a bit more aggressive. Adam Lowry's getting breakaways every game. He's got, like, three shorties now. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Great, just a great comment from from Andrew Cop here, and I think he's a guy that since his tenure here, you loved uh, his honesty, or at least I did. I enjoyed hearing what he had to say and his perspective on things, and improved it today with this availability. Um, him and Stasny going for like eighteen minutes here, back and forth, talking about uh, you know concussion issues and signs of head injuries and and the trade deadline. And these guys do admit to knowing that the when the trade trade deadline is. <laughs> Hustler. So it's okay for players to say that they know when the deadline is. Dixter asking in chat, is it any surprise or indication that the two on the block are trotted out to the media? Uh, no, I mean, that just shows that the media is doing their job because they request mm. the players that speak after games or after practices. And uh, certainly with Cop returning to the lineup, everyone wanted to first and foremost hear how he was. And uh, I think people and fans interested to hear where their heads were at with the potential with no contracts for next season that they could be moved because of where the Winnipeg Jets are in the playoff race. So some good stuff from the Jets will be all over it tomorrow. Looking forward to hearing what Ken has to say about all of that when he joins us tomorrow on the program. And uh, we will have a ton to get to with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. I don't know how much we want to get to right now, Remus, before we finish up. Um, I'll get the cool bet lines going on right now. Um, but there are some NFL news and notes today. And I know there's a great YouTube comment we want to get to before the end of the program. Um, hey, WST brought to you in part by our friends over at Nick and Nikki DQ. I actually was around the mall quickly today. I don't think I'd been in a mall for at least two years. Uh, but I did pop by. You know what the great thing about the DQ at Polo Park is? It also has an Orange Julius, which has always been one of my favorites. Don't get a chance to get those very often. So if you're at Polo Park, make sure you pop by and... See Nick and Nikki in their DQ with the Orange Julius. Of course, the other locations are DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, and the DQ over on St. Anne's. They're featuring the new and improved Grill Burgers. Six different variations, all amazing. Definitely try them the next time you're around there. Red Velvet Blizzard featured right now, and all those other great ice cream treats. Uh, Snow's melting, and that means we're definitely back in blizzard season. So pop by Nick and Nikki. They'll hook you up. And don't forget, if you do need an ice cream cake for an event, you can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll get it ready for you to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Well, it is St. Patrick's Day today. And uh, well, I know a lot of people were sipping on Irish whiskey for thinking about whiskey. There's nothing better than Canadian Club since 1848, the best that Canada has to offer. It's on sale right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And very soon, You'll be seeing in all Manitoba liquor marts and around the city and province, the new CC and ginger ale ready to drink pre-mixed in a can in six packs. So uh, next month when you buy CC at your local liquor mart, you'll get a free can to pick up and try it. Uh, But keep your eyes peeled for the new CC and ginger coming very soon to your local Manitoba liquor mart. And of course, tomorrow we got the new hoodies in our WST collab with Canadian club We'll have a hoodie to go out to the winner of the marble race tomorrow. If you haven't been with us before for the marble race, make sure you're here tomorrow in the last half hour of the show live on YouTube. 
for your chance to win and uh, guaranteed good times and laughs with everybody in the chat. Um, cool bet lines for tonight, an absolutely packed night in the National Hockey League. Let's get right to it. Uh, we will start it off with the Washington Capitals as big favorites, minus 204 in Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. Jackets just played last night in Ottawa, so I think that line kind of indicates the the back-to-back, not the way either of these teams are playing right now. Uh, could the Montreal Canadiens do the Jets a big favor tonight and beat the Dallas Stars? I certainly hope so, and if they do... You'll be able to get plus 162 on your money with the Habs as a big home underdog. Islanders, Rangers going at it. Rangers at home at MSG, minus 147 faves. Claude Giroux's 1,000th game. And maybe the Flyers step up and have one strong game in what will likely be Giroux's last game as a Flyer. We'll see. Flyers plus 141 underdogs. Preds minus 167. Uh, Eric Schalgren gets his second start for the Leafs after his shutout of the Dallas Stars on Tuesday. They're a slight underdog, plus 102, about even money. Carolina minus 119. Uh, Pittsburgh is in St. Louis to take on the Blues. Pittsburgh is a road favorite at minus 122. Oilers big favorites against the Buffalo Sabres. I'm telling you right now, I'm betting Buffalo in this game. Mike Smith is back. Buffalo's playing really well lately. I got a feeling the Buffalo Sabres pull off the upset plus 210 on the money line in that game. Sharks Kings tonight. Kings minus 154 favorites. Vancouver a big 20 minus 208 favorite against the Red Wings. And the final game of the night is the Florida Panthers in Vegas to take on the struggling Golden Knights. When was the last time the Knights had been a plus 145 home underdog? It's been a while. Um, and not sure whether Ben Sherratt will be able to make his debut tonight. We'll, we'll take a look and see if that happens. That's the final game getting underway at 9.30 tonight. Of course, we won't be able to go through all of the March Madness games, uh, but plenty, plenty of games for you to put a sprinkle on as the first day of the tournament continues. Um, I'm not sure if there's been any big significant Upset so far. Baylor, the number one seed, is killing Norfolk right now. Uh, Tennessee crushing the Longwood Lancers. That sounds like a community club, like under 15 team. And uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Richmond Spiders right now are tied in the first half. Number one seed, Gonzaga, next up. They're 22 and a half point favorites against the Georgia State Panthers. And by the way, thank you and good luck to everyone that entered in the Winnipeg Sports Talk March Madness bracket. We'll uh, maybe talk after the weekend about who's looking good after the first weekend. Of course, cool bet's the place to go if you want to place a wager on the games. Use the promo code WST if you haven't played a cool bet before. We'll double your first deposit up to 200 bucks by using the promo code WST. Um, Remo, you were mentioning off-air while we were listening to the clips that we got a really nice YouTube comment that you wanted to uh, throw out to the chat. Yes, um, shout-out to Nathan Brown who wrote this on yesterday's YouTube video. And I'm surprised, I want to say I'm surprised, but kind of not. We're still getting comments like these a year later. He says, not sure if it's taboo to talk about uh, for you guys or the show, but I always love listening to you guys on 1290. I just found this show now. Not sure how. I hadn't heard of this till now. I give my support to all those guys from TSN Winnipeg that got blindsided. Your shows were more entertaining than most big ESPN talk shows. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Nathan Brown. And I mean, still people who don't know. So that's why it's so important for everyone to help spread the word. Um, Hitting the thumbs up, 
you know, hitting the subscribe, liking our content on social media just helps it be shown to more people. And Nathan Brown, I don't know how he found us. I, I, com I responded. So Nathan, thank you so much for that comment. And we're so appreciative of everyone who uh, has come over and found a home here talking, talking Jets. Yeah, whether you're able to join or, us live on YouTube every day or whether you're joining us and listening to it on the podcast after you get home at work when you traditionally listen to us, um, <clears throat> we thank everyone for their support. Been an amazing first year and uh, continuing to grow. And hey, this is going to be a wild week for all of us. I mean, Jet fans, very interested to see what the team can do on the ice. And I think very interested to see what the Winnipeg Jets, the general manager, will do off the ice heading into Monday's nhl trade deadline a big show tomorrow as we mentioned we'll look to have another nhl guest on early in the program for the latest in and around the league discuss any more trades that have happened in the next 22 hours uh we'll do an extended segment with our buddy ken weeb oh and we will have dave pagnotta from the fourth period for tomorrow that will be fantastic um you know i know dave's got his ear to the ground on a ton of markets so We'll look forward to bringing Dave in early on the program for the latest on the NHL trade market. Ken Weeb tomorrow. And uh, we will absolutely have a long list of topics to hit with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton from the National Football League and from Major League Baseball. Just a couple quick NFL notes. Um, sounds like Baker Mayfield, after his tweet yesterday, thanking the city of Cleveland officially, is looking for a new start somewhere else. Uh, although Cleveland's been told that they are out of the running for Deshaun Watson. And uh, Vaughn Miller has signed a six-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Big, big ad for Buffalo for a guy that has won his fair share of Super Bowls and can still get to the quarterback. And C.J. Azuma from the AFC champion Bengals. God, that kills me to say, but... Hey, they earned it. Um, he's going to the, um, he's on the move. And OJ Howard actually is on the move to the Buffalo Bills as well to uh, give them a big tight end. And uh, Remo, you were mentioning Allen Robinson on the way to the Rams during the program today. Yeah, I th think Allen Robinson has been freed. I feel so happy for the guy going to the guy, you know, his quarterback going to be Matt Stafford, who, you know, is the quarterback for the, what, the two most highest reception or receiving yard seasons in history, Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson, he, what his quarterback's been, what, Blake Bortles, whoever they've had in Chicago <laughs> the last couple of years. It's been a horrible stretch of quarterbacks for Allen Robinson. So I think he's in, he's going to have a monster year with the Rams. And yeah, it seemed like Baker Mayfield wants out of Cleveland, but Mary Kay Cabot reporting, they have not on, they don't want to honor his, um, his trade request. So we'll see what happens there with Baker. No, not done yet. Hey, by the way, exclamation mark marbles was just asking that. Yeah, we did just get the hoodies in, got them yesterday. So if you can, maybe just after the show, hit me up with an email um, at, uh, at Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. I'll send you one. And uh, I don't know if after the show today works or after the show tomorrow works, get you set up or maybe sometime on the weekend. Um, great show today. A big thanks to all of our sponsors. Of course, F Apparel, uh, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water. Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Cool Bet Canada. And Remo, we could keep on screwing around here, but I know we want to get the podcasts up, and we can also send all of our friends over because I believe Kenny and Rennie are going at it this afternoon with one of their long form shows starting as we speak. They're going to be talking trade deadline and more with John Shannon. Should be fun. Yeah, they are on right now. I'll throw the link uh, in the chat so uh, everyone can go and tell them. I'm actually them that. hearing it now in my uh, oh, in sorry. my headset for sorry. some reason. 
you were not anymore. I paused it. Okay, but, perfect. But yeah, yeah, there, there you go. Sorry about that. That was John Shannon. So yeah, anyways, if you're with us on YouTube, head on over to KNR. Tell them the boys on WST sent them. Say hi to them for us. We'll, I'm sure, pop in as well. And whatever you do, have a fun and safe St. Patrick's Day this evening. And uh, get it together by 1 p.m. tomorrow to join us on Winnipeg Sports Talk before the Jets take on the Boston Bruins heading into the weekend. Uh, thanks again to Dave McCarthy and Brandon Rowicki and all of you for being with us today. We'll catch you tomorrow. A big Friday show. Don't forget to join us and bring your marble. We'll see you tomorrow on Friday's WST. Head on over to KNR and happy St. Patty's Day. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.